Hello, everyone. Welcome this afternoon to Life Hurts, God Heals. My name is Chris Woolwind, and I am your host this afternoon. So glad to have you with me. And I have some special guests, young couple uh, named Aaron and Melissa. And there's nothing super special about them except that they are God's kids, okay? There's no claim to fame here, but I just found um, it interesting as they began sharing part of their life story a little bit. I said, stop, hold it. I want to actually have you all, the audience, listen to the the struggles and the victories and some of the processes that they go through uh, in strengthening their own relationship with God and overcoming difficulties and so forth. Uh, but you know, I should probably just say, maybe Aaron, why don't you say hello so we know what your voice sounds like. Hey, how's it going? All right. And Melissa? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Good. And they are married. How long have you guys been married? Almost three years. Almost three years. Wonderful. Okay. So we'll get into their life in a little bit, but you know, as is our habit, um, we try to do some uplifting things, some humorous things by looking at some trivia. And, uh, you know, last time in our last episode, we spent uh, some time in prayer uh, over the current situation going on in our nation, and it is troubling, and it should trouble us. It's not to say that we're not praying. It's just to say that we are praying, but we're going to uh, take a different angle uh, today in, in this show, and so we're just going to go back to our normal track and not going to address current events. We're going to address Aaron and Melissa. So before we do that, i uh, got some fun things that I'm just going to test them and test you to see if you know the answer to some of these things. So like, did you know that Abraham Lincoln was inducted into a Hall of Fame? Have you ever heard that? No. Yes. Which Hall of Fame? The National Wrestling Hall of Fame. In 1992, he was inducted. Uh, he actually was defeated only once in 300 matches. How I about that? This now. Oh, like a children's book version of his life. Okay. And when he was younger, he, I just remember, yeah, he used to wrestle a lot. Very cool. You wouldn't think that because he's so tall. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, what else are they going to do when you're a kid back in those days? You know, yeah. wrestle around in the dirt and things like that. Um, he also once borrowed a book from a neighbor because he loved reading so much and there weren't books where he lived. And um, then it rained and the roof leaked and it ruined the book. And he felt so horrible because there weren't, you know, books were very expensive. And he plowed and worked for the neighbor for, I think, days or weeks to make up for the cost oh my. of the book. Honest Abe. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> honest Abe, okay. Do you know what dum-dums are? It's a little, little lollipop? Little oh, yeah. lollipop candy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you know that almost 12 million dum-dums are made every single day? And I didn't know people still ate them. Yeah, and they're like my least favorite 
They're so lollipop. small. <laughs> what do you get out of it? <laughs> yes. Yes. What do you call, now I didn't know this till I just am reading this, what do you call a baby porcupine? Porkita. <laughs> Porkita. That's pretty good. Get this, audience. Porcupet. Oh. Porcupet? A porcupet. Wow. <laughs> Porcupets. There you go. So don't bring a porcupet home. I don't think your parents would appreciate that. Okay. And let's see. One more. Oh. In 1908 Olympics, the Russians showed up 12 days late. Do you know why? No. Oh, no, no Aaron's giving it a good... <laughs> <laughs> it's because they were using a different calendar. They were using the Julian calendar instead of the Gregorian calendar. See how oh, wow. smart or lack of smart we are? <laughs> All right. All the things we don't know. <laughs> All the things we don't know. Okay, well, let's get into it, and the show might go a little bit longer today. Normally, we try to keep it in an hour, but, you know, because I don't want people listening to me for an hour. But now that I have special guests, Aaron and Melissa, we might go a little longer. So, okay. So, you guys, maybe I should, maybe I'll, I'll who should I start with, Melissa or Aaron? Okay, I'll start with Aaron. Okay. Tell me how old you are, where you were born and raised, your education, and what you're currently doing for employment. I'm 26. I was born and raised in New Jersey. Uh, I went to school outside of Philadelphia, uh, studied biology, and then got a doctorate in physical therapy. And then I came out to California with uh, my wife here. And worked as a PT for a year and then was already trying to get out of that position because PT is not my dream career. And so if it's not your dream career, what happened? How did I get into it or, or how, how did you how did you lose the dream? Oh, um, I didn't how did I lose the dream? I never really had the dream. Ah. I, I originally chose it because it seemed good enough. Um, and then I started to become passionate about things in college, uh, and I realized okay. PT wasn't that Okay, um, excellent. Now I do data work um, because of COVID-19. And okay, 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 cool. And Alyssa? I am 25 years old, and I was born in Germany uh, to a German mother and American father. Mm -hmm. uh, they met in grad school, wasn't military or anything. So they met in grad school, mm -hmm. okay. Here in the U.S., in okay. Arizona, and when they got married... They got married in Germany, and my dad moved to Germany and worked in the family company with my mom, and the plan was to be there, you know, I think, kind of forever. Um, and that's where I was born, but then they had to move when I was two and a half and moved to the Bay Area to live with my other grandmother, and we ended up being in the Bay Area in California for seven years, so for the first half of my childhood, and then we moved to Pennsylvania, which is where my parents still are, Central Pennsylvania. And then I went to school outside of Philly, and I studied political science as my undergrad, which I greatly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently just keeping the home um, through grad school, and now it's all been very demanding, so it's been very helpful that I can take care of things here while he does 
all the other fun things. <laughs> okay, good, good. Okay, so now we're going to move into kind of the spiritual things because that's what this show is about is uh, uh, finding finding answers. Perhaps uh, we do a lot of reflecting and contemplating on on this show about uh, the scriptures and perhaps paths uh, to our own healing out of difficulties and so forth. Um, so let me ask you, Aaron, how, uh, well, I'll just ask both of you and you guys can just kind of interact. So how and when did you come to faith in Jesus Christ and and who was the biggest influence in, in your life? So at 17 is when I became a Christian. Um, before that, I was a pretty big scumbag. Uh, I partied a lot and, um, you know, any money that my parents would give me, um, you know, as an allowance, I had spent on drugs and, um, I was disrespectful and I bullied kids at school. Um, I was just an all around jerk. Jerk. Yeah. And, uh, well, really I was dead in my sin. And then at 17, uh, I got arrested and suspended in the same weekend um, and kind of started to realize through uh, some wise voices, uh, Christian voices in my life that um, I was a terrible son to my mom, that I was just, yeah, I wasn't mature at all. Um, and so my, my family went to the Coptic Orthodox Church, which is um, like the other Eastern Orthodox churches. And... I started listening at the masses. I started reading my Bible. Um, the first time I read it, I was high, and so I didn't get anything out of that time. <laughs> um, over time, the scriptures really started to impress on me that that Jesus was this perfect God who was going to judge me one day. And I realized and came totally struck one day with, the fact that I am an unworthy sinner. And that was when I started to confess everything to my mom. And, and that was when I started and, and through what she told me and, and how God loves sinners was how I started to believe in the gospel. And then in college, um, I started to learn about, um, the gospel in, in terms of grace. Um, in the beginning, I didn't really hear about grace. Um, just, just some vague, salvation that I didn't really know how to obtain. Okay, cool. Wow. All right. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a Christian household, and my parents told me that I accepted Christ maybe around four. I don't remember it, um, but I believe them. And so there isn't a time that I can think of where that wasn't an identity that I had or something that I, you know, wasn't pursuing. And, um, the Lord was very gracious for placing me in of a house, and my parents were a big influence on me, mostly through their actions. Uh, they attempted to do like family Bible studies and stuff like that, but my brother and I were difficult children and no. did not make that. <laughs> yeah, it was not a great time. So they mostly led by how they acted, and so I saw my parents engage in regular Bible study and to pray on their own regularly and to be part of accountability groups and mm. to go to church every week. And there was always the expectation that, you know, we go to church, but when we were at church, given a lot of freedom for how, what we did on Sundays, we went to a very large church. So whether that was 
youth group or volunteering in the nursery or just spending time sitting in the lobby reading scripture, there wasn't the expectation that we do everything together. It was just the expectation that this was something you would pursue. And I think that really from a young age gave me an independence in my faith that I think a lot of my peers sometimes lacked um, where they just did things because their parents told them they had to. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. And youth group was in high school, middle and high school was uh, super duper important to my faith. I had some incredible youth leaders who just poured into me and my friends and created this community where there was honesty and accountability and a lot of wisdom being um, poured out into our lives, a lot of being challenged on <laughs> you know, the petty things that we could get hung up on and there's an expectation of forgiveness and a lot of service opportunities just in the community and um, yeah, so by the end of high school though, I had fallen into a very angry period and I'm not quite sure what triggered it and I was intensely aware of my need for him and I wanted to be able to say that my faith was in him was a new season of like growth and excitement in my faith and then into college I knew I wanted to find a Christian fellowship on the campus and um, there was a very very vibrant one that's actually where we met and it was led by and it's still led by um, a really great couple who are mis full-time missionaries to the students on campus and it was just a really incredible four years of continued challenge in faith in good ways and service and learning to be leaders and having an incredible community. So um, the Lord has been very good to me in my life in that I have always had incredible Christian community. And I know it wasn't until I went to college and I started meeting Christians from other parts of the country and from other churches that I realized that not everybody had that growing up. And um, it's given me a new appreciation for it because it was the community that shaped me, um, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, you know, you're moving into an area that I want to uh, to talk about. And so maybe if you could elaborate a little bit more, because I, I wanted to talk about the most significant struggle in your life. And uh, you used a phrase, draw me back to myself, or did you mean draw me back to himself when you were talking about you know, uh, having fallen and then... Um, I probably meant to say himself. Okay. I said myself. It was, okay, that's fine. It was a slip. <laughs> that, that's fine. That's fine. Because I, I thought that, that is actually pretty interesting because when I was uh, thinking about, you mentioned falling, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you're in this angry place. And I, I wanted you to maybe explore that a little bit for... For us, because you know, usually when we are in a good environment, a good community, and it sounds like this youth ministry that you were involved with at church, mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned high accountability, truth, transparency, honesty, all of those things which we think are really integral mm -hmm. to keeping and nurturing a strong faith, and yet mm -hmm. you still found something internal, a dissonance, perhaps, that maybe in some way you still needed to own your own faith? Mm -hmm. so I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what? No, what yeah, I have. So there have been a couple times in my life where I have gotten, you know, kind of 
to that point of myself that I hate so much, which I really believe is my true sin nature. Um, and for me, it manifests a lot in anger and um, a pessimistic outlook on life and a real viciousness in my language towards people, like tone of voice. My tone of voice can so easily be hurtful, um, and it comes out so much more in those times. Um, but I've looked at that particular instance at the end of high school, and I've wondered ever since, you know, like, what really was that? Because it was this intense um, kind of descent into darkness, and it was, reading the book, then it was one particular night where the Lord really confronted me with my sin, and really yeah like where I couldn't turn away from it anymore and I had to Mm. acknowledge that that was me on my own Mm. and that I when I was on my own doing what I wanted to do it was chaos and darkness and the only way that there was any hope of peace or light was through Christ like I could not produce that on my own and so I think part of it was a maybe, I think what many people call now an adult decision for Christ, mm-hmm. where I believe I was saved before. I trust my parents and I believe the Lord looks graciously on children, um, you know, and that children can be saved like that. But I perhaps it was that moment where as much as I had owned my faith growing up, now coming into early adulthood, I had to really recognize that I I could not act however I wanted without the consequences of sin. And so I don't really know what caused the slide into it. And I don't I don't know if I was relying on, you know, the youth group or church experience to keep me propped up in some kind of a way that then couldn't be sustained or if it was just I I can't remember whether at that time I was reading my Bible regularly or praying regularly. I, I can't remember, and that mm-hmm. probably contributed to it as well, you know, not mm-hmm. being active in pursuing the Lord on my own. But whatever it was, it was not because the Lord wasn't, you know, that he rejected me or wasn't mm-hmm. being faithful to me. It was because of my own actions, you know, not trusting him Um as I should have. So yeah, there's yeah. still some question marks yeah. for me. I, in fact, my roommate in college, when I told her the story, she interpreted it as if that was when I truly did accept Christ. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, I think either way, he has saved me and is, you know, worth praising for that, whether it happened when I was four or when I was 18. But, yeah. Well, um, and I don't want to reinterpret yeah. what happened to you, but, you know, there there is a phrase that uh, uh, has been used where it's called a crisis of faith, mm-hmm. where you're, you know, you are a, a believer, but in the transitions of maturity, mm-hmm. we go through phases. So there's a phase like in our own development uh, as human beings. You know, we uh, we're ten year ten years old. We're not five. Mm-hmm. Something something happened. And during those transitions from, say, 10-year-old to 15-year-old to 20-year-old to young adult to older adult with family to uh, no longer with family, you know, those kinds of transition, 
every time you go through a transition, there is this crisis, this uh, who am I mm. kind of moment. And it, I, I started wondering, you know, uh, when you hit, because I think you explained it really well, Melissa, that this transition, uh, I mean, you you didn't use this word, but I thought of the word rebellion. It was like mm -hmm. there's this utter rebellion, and then you said my flesh nature yeah. exposed itself, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think a lot of believers can identify with that, mm -hmm. you know, where we're, we're on a good track with God, but then something happens, and sometimes it's not even an event yeah. that triggers it. It's just we get tired of where we are and we want to explore and own we're tempted and so forth and i was curious because i had this thought that in the beginning of this rebellion did it kind of feel good like you were just breaking free like you had this freedom was there in the beginning stages like ah you know what i'm enjoying this freedom of being able to say what i want say what i feel and i you do this rebellion you know god loves you but you do this rebellion because you're trying to be more transparent authentic real um uh, either with yourself or in front of others but mm -hmm. then it gets so confusing um yeah it's not it's not as uh, freeing as you think it's going to be yeah it's, it's chaos and it's horrible chaos wow. wow and then coming coming back whatever that looks like whether it's kind of a lightning moment with the lord or whether he draws more closely or whether it's you just having to buckle down and put good habits into your life again good spiritual disciplines whatever that looks like it feels so hard in the moment mm. like because it is so against what your nature is and it's like the last thing you want to do even though you know it's the only thing that's going to truly mm -hmm. give you peace and joy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, I, I want to ask Aaron the same question, but I thought, but then I had this funny thought like, well, it's a good thing that Melissa and Aaron didn't meet when he was 16 <laughs> oh, or 17. Yeah. We and she, about that. <laughs> yeah, we joke about that. Boy, it would be Bonnie and Clyde or <laughs> something. We wouldn't have been friends in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would have looked down on me. I would have been <laughs> no, I I was friends with a lot of people in high school, but I definitely would not have been close friends. <laughs> Running the same circles, for sure, we would not have. Wow, yeah. wow. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. Aaron, so, you know, you shared with us your testimony of coming to faith, and you're a real bad dude, but God stepped into your life and so forth. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I want to know... In your time with the Lord now, what has been the most significant struggle in your faith, uh, in your life? Um, I know you mentioned a church struggle. Um, and the more I thought about that, and you didn't go into detail with it with me on it, but go for it. Mm -hmm. The church struggle, I would say, is not pressing now. Um, when okay. I when I became a Christian and uh, when I was saved and then I went to college and joined a, ch a church group, a Christian fellowship where I met uh, Melissa and, and started getting different 
teachings, different doctrines on, on salvation and, and everything was when I was very conflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who, how am I, this, you know, 18-year-old kid supposed to differentiate or choose one, one church over another? And, and these are large categories. These are traditions and thousands of years of history teaching how I'm supposed to pick one. Um, that was a struggle back then. Uh, I can elaborate on that, or I can elaborate on what I struggle with now. Um, but I think now what I struggle with is being content with the present and and not being bold um, when I speak with unbelievers. Um, those are two things that I find myself that I would say affect. Those are probably the two things that I struggle with the most. Okay, you said uh, not being bold, but what was to say the and not being bold when oh sorry not being and the bold first one was being content. content. Okay, go into that a little bit. Content. Yes. What what's the problem there for you? Um, I have always defined. I I struggle to define myself with what I'm doing, not in the sense that I get to say like oh I am this person or I get to do that, but that my happiness is wrapped up in my career or um, my ambitions. And so I've had this desire, uh, we talked briefly about it, uh, to, to go to seminary, uh, to enter pastoral ministry. And, and I've been struggling with not being happy until then. Um, I think that when I was in my physical therapy job that I really did not like and I was bringing home hours of notes every day and had no time at all with mm. Melissa and doing anything, you know, um, that was really, really hard. I, I struggled a lot with that. And now I'm so thankful that God has provided a new job for me. Um, so relatively, I'm much more content. <laughs> okay. Do an okay. External, okay. But it's kind of like you're, is it that you're, tempted to think I will be content when I am in seminary yes. type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Until the next thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a winning battle now, but mm-hmm. back then it was certainly harder. Okay. And there is kind of this connecting thing between uh, the, the contentment with who am I, with I want to serve God, where is my ID, my, my identification in all of that? Because you mentioned boldness or a lack of boldness. Now, tap into that a little bit. What What is it that's bothering you about that? I am always afraid about, I'm always afraid to offend people or hurt their feelings. Um, obviously, there's a good side to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been called an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I do get the sensitivity now on the other side of my wilderness. So, yeah. I, I don't want my words to be misconstrued. I want to have constructive conversation and not get shut down. Yeah. Right, right. And this, this thing about being bold in evangelism or even within the church is such an interesting one because I think we were raised completely differently in those kind of ways. Like I was raised in an evangelical free church Mm -hmm. and I guess especially through youth group. And I think it was a positive thing almost all the time, but there was kind of a constant 
expectation, constant conversation about what are you doing right now to reach out to, I mean, at the time you're in school, so to your fellow peers, you know, how are you sharing the gospel, inviting, you know, this expectation that you invite people to youth group or to church. And so it was always there. And I think it was, it wasn't tempered with um, maybe quite enough grace all the time because it was, it produced in a lot of us a kind of constant sense of guilt that we weren't doing enough mm-hmm, or that mm-hmm. we should we should be even more direct instead of recognizing that the way you live your life in a godly manner is a witness as well, not just how bold you are in your right. invitations. Um, but that was very much a church culture thing that became habitual in many ways. And I think that's a good thing. But I think the church culture you grew up in was not that um, I have my uh, religion, you have yours. Yeah. I'll take care of mine. I'll pray that you take care of it. <laughs> right, right. right. And it was so much a part of your identity. You know, when when you introduced yourself, you said, you, or at least your family, you know, you said it's Coptic. I mean, that is everything about your family and your culture. And mm. so it isn't so much about drawing other people into it as, you know, I think a lot of Protestant Christians who... It is our identity, of course, but not in the same way as it is for a lot in of In a dominant orthodox. way, right. Yeah. Right, right. Well, this, this is interesting, and I'm going to do something visual uh, <laughs> in the audience so that you know what I'm doing. I had a few questions that I had prepared. I am setting them aside <laughs> because I think the Lord has, has uh, given us a direction that uh, we want to uh, pursue here. And uh, and what I want the both of you to think about, and then I'm going to do some commercials here, is think about um, does your personality have anything to do with, say, your feelings about you know anxiety versus her feelings of no anxiety, <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> perhaps uh, or. Uh, or do and does that conflict with the identity that maybe the church places on us? Uh, Melissa was talking about this, you know, this expectation of of having a certain behavior, particularly particularly like evangelism or boldness or things of that nature. So ponder that a moment, and um, I just want to. Uh, say thank you audience for listening and continuing to listen and I just want to remind you that our uh, broadcast is being uh, platformed on blog talk radio and it is produced uh, through the linked local network.com and if you are seeking more of these episodes and podcasts you can locate them either on linkedlocalnetwork.com or blogtalkradio.com and just type in in the search window life hurts god heals or you can go to our facebook page and go to the life hurts god heals page there and you can find all of our episodes there also you can email us at uh, life hurts life hurts god heals 2020 i almost forgot the title Life Hurts God Heals 2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you in that way. And uh, we do, oh, and I should also say that our podcast can be found really on any platform, whether it's uh, Apple iTunes or FM radio, 
um, the, any of those any of those places. Um, you can find us, and um, we have other podcasts that are uh, supporting us. One is Community Voices Chat that meets every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. on Link Local Network, and uh, uh, they talk about all kinds of things. And it's an opportunity for you to dialogue uh, with the host there. And also, uh, Pillars of Franchising, every Thursday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we'd love for you to check that out. That is a very popular podcast, particularly if you are in business or you are part of a business. Uh, you can learn a lot there, and we're so thankful that they are a part of our little family here. Okay? All right. So thanks for tolerating those commercials. Don't make any money on those, so we just <laughs> it's a loving thing that we do. Okay. So I, I asked uh, Aaron and Melissa, um, as, as our conversation has moved forward here a bit, um, just in the struggle of identification, and, and uh, Aaron had talked about his desire to, well, the struggle with contentment, which, boy, I could do a whole episode on that. But this idea of contentment and, and also boldness and the expectation of boldness that is upon us. And, and then Melissa was bringing in some, some thoughts that, that I wanted to uh, draw on as well regarding this topic. So, but let me go back to Aaron and I asked I asked if if you thought your personality plays a role in this anxiety mm-hmm. you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Would you say it does? I think so, in that I'm not confrontational. Um, I I can be and I have been, but it usually takes a while and is yeah, I I would always I tend to put an easygoing relationship that's yes. lighthearted first. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. I like to go deep. I love to go deep. Right. But um, even then, I don't step on toes too often. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a bad thing? It depends. I mean, oftentimes, and I think, I think there's a there's a fine balance, right? You can't be you can't badger people over the head. They won't listen to you. You need to win them over, and you're going to do that by being kind. Yet you can't just tell people that everything they're doing or everything they believe in is, is just fine when there is a body of truth in scripture that right, um, right. we're called to. Yeah. As I'm as I'm listening to you, Aaron, that there is there is a definite desire to share, to teach God's kingdom wherever you are. That that is is there. I I just if if anything, I want to make you feel better about the anxiety thing because uh, Melissa was really bringing this out because I personally have struggled with this. In the past uh, of my life, uh, most people would say I was very bold, confrontational if I needed to be. And usually it was over sin issues or things in the church or uh, that were creating problems. And I've even had people go, boy, Chris, you're so good at confrontation. Uh, and that it would keep me up at night. You know, it wasn't just a blind confrontation. It was something that needed to be done. And it was in my court to do it. And it was my understanding that 
and and this is where the the fallacy, the problems come is that is that I'm right and and everyone is wrong, you know, and there wasn't that humility or the the breadth of experience to understand that uh, there are many ways to get something done, you know, not just my way, the one way, and so forth. And then now I've now I've um, it's not that I've become squeamish, but people have noticed that I am. I'm very different than I used to be, and I think that's kind of maturity, I guess, is recognizing that how I present what needs to be presented is oftentimes as important or more important than the message itself. Like you said, you can clobber people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with, with that. Uh, but Melissa, you brought up this expectation that happens in in church growing up when we're part of a, a community culture mm-hmm. that we can kind of adopt mm-hmm. a framework of behavior that may or may not be completely biblical it's it's more of a family identification or a church family identification yeah. Yeah. which sets aside your uniqueness as an individual or like I've been talking about personality and so forth. What what do you think? Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right when you say that it is almost an it is often an identity within a certain denomination or church group. Because I think we're at a point I mean, we are at a point in history where the church has divided into more denominations than have, I think, ever been. Mm-hmm. And those divisions, you know, were caused for, you know, different beliefs that things ought to be done a certain way. And so those, whatever response um, that, for whatever, how, am I, how do I want to say this? For whatever reason the division happened, usually that new denomination or version of the denomination then adopt that yeah. kind of attitude as their foundation, I guess, yeah. of how right. they connect themselves and what they focus on. And it is a fine line to walk because it is so easy to then replace a what a personal relationship with Christ really looks like with acting a certain way. And so then when you're released out of that church, whether it's because you graduate high school and go to college or you go, um, you have to move for a job and that denomination doesn't exist around you or whatever, once you lose that framework, then the question becomes, well, why am I acting the way that I do? How do I want to act, really? And am I happy with that? Am I happy with myself? Am I happy with the idea of a relationship with Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's incredibly important that churches primarily, I mean, it sounds obvious, but primarily focus on what it looks like to live out a personal relationship with Christ and to be very um, cognizant and open about maybe the areas of Christian life that they're more passionate about focusing on, whether that is something like evangelism or tradition or Mm -hmm. whatever it is for that denomination. Um, Because I, I see a lot of friends from middle and high school who I think once they left for college didn't quite know where they 
understood within all of it because they lost yeah. that framework of action. And it unfortunately opened some of them up to the thoughts that that is what a relationship with Christ has to look like. And because they didn't like it or are now questioning it, mm-hmm. it throws out, you know, the baby with the bathwater, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Christ becomes the problem instead of maybe how the church has adapted of what evangelism should look like that we hear so often, you know, the incredible boldness, the willing to engage anyone. And so there's so much nuance, and we like to say that this is what it has to look like. And Scripture is incredibly clear about a lot of things of how we are to act, but then the application of it in each individual's life is so nuanced, whether it is anxiety that you struggle with or and excessive boldness without kindness, or whatever it is. It's what is the first step in that that is honoring to the Lord, and where you're not putting condemnation on yourself that the Lord doesn't put on right. you. Right. 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 Because <laughs> He's so gentle and gracious. And honestly, I can identify with everything you're saying. Yeah. And and I've been a pastor for thirty plus years. Okay. It is, and I believe your eve. Audience, I'm speaking to you. <laughs> Your pastor struggles with some of these things. I'm just going to say it. They may not think they're struggling, but I will tell you that pastors often have several audiences that they play to. There's the audience of one, which is God. There's the audience of their leadership. There's the audience of their church. And there's the audience of their family. And uh, if you can't unify those things, it does create trouble later on for the pastor to try and unify so that there's consistency. So that when people go, this is the way Chris is, and the children go, no, he's not that way, (laughs) you know, and sometimes it's a bad thing, you know, Um, uh, what audience am I playing to? I'm I'm grateful that for the most part, my children have told me that, you know, dad is the same wherever <laughs> wherever he's at, and that that's always a, a good goal. But uh, this is a problem. Aaron, you have some thoughts on what on what we've been talking about here. Um, he's been checking out. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you said it well. Okay. 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 Have you noticed that there is a plethora of activity on finding your personality profile? Yeah. Uh, Particularly by your generation. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Enneagrams. Well, before that was Meyer Briggs. Um, Okay. I'm going to give you a a trick question. Why? Because I don't have an answer for it. But why is it so important for your generation? I think. For my generation, I think it comes back to the identity again. And the church has been doing a great job, I think, lately of reminding the whole, of, of preaching that our identity is in Jesus. We are his children, or we, you know, we are God's children, and we are Christ. We are Christ's bride or his body. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think we struggle with wanting to be someone special, wanting to be mm-hmm. unique, mm-hmm. and also wanting to know ourselves more deeply. Um, I know for me, every time I've taken one of those, um, and I've recently just taken a couple more for 
some you know things that I've joined, um, this program that I joined, and and there I was again overthinking them and really absorbing <laughs> them, and, and and really I have to now preach to myself, Adam, your your identity is in Jesus. Your identity is not this thing or that thing. Um, and your personality doesn't necessarily have to be, or should not be king. But like you don't necessarily have to be a slave to what your inherent personality is. Yes. Because there are parts of our personality that should be killed, mm-hmm. um, that aren't glorifying God. And then we start. So I mean, maybe this is digging too deep into it, but for me, I started to get a blurred line between: Am I being true to myself as I define myself in this category, and is is veering from that sinful versus is me just doing mm. simple things sinful. And sometimes mm. that line for me personally got blurred. And that's when I started to learn, okay, this is really bad. Mm. Uh, I need to do something. Uh, well, how do you identify it then? Like, uh, what criteria do you use to identify? Well, I mean, it depends. Uh, so for me, you know, right, all the, all the things, all the tests tell me that I'm person-oriented, right, and that I'm mm-hmm. terrible with tasks. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this. <laughs> and, and experience shows this. That is true. Right. And so now when we're doing a task, right, how how much do I how much do I allow myself to just be bad at the task and not even try Mm -hmm. or to be serving, um, like doing the dishes even like just because I'm people oriented doesn't mean I I don't do the dishes. Um, And but at the same time, like when I, you know, think of a career option or when I think of like you know, ministry opportunities or, or what to do in a group, what, what is being true to myself and what is trying to be someone that I'm not, but at the same time, what is stepping out of just because, you know, Myers-Briggs told me that I'm this, does <laughs> right. that mean that I'm not supposed to be loving or serving? Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I overthink. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I tend to be the same way. I overthink a lot of things, but, and I used to feel bad about that because people would make me feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. Let me let me throw something out that I only thought of a few days ago. It's it's so strange that this conversation has taken this turn here, uh, but maybe not strange. <laughs> okay. But I was I was sitting on my porch and I was looking at the trees and the sky and the different weeds and then I was looking at the different birds that I have f- flying around my my humble little place. The thought occurred to me how different and diverse God's creation is. Being a musician uh, and listening to lots of different kinds of music, I, I thought, wow, you know, the birds all have a different song. And then you look at the different kinds of music that are out in the world. Wow, lots of different kinds of music. And then I asked myself this question. When I get to heaven, I wonder what God's song will sound like. Mm-hmm. We all make music. But when God sings his song, what will it be, right? So I'm pondering this. And then I have this thought, and I know it's from the Lord. I know it's from the Lord. The thought was, my song is the diversity that I created mm-hmm. in the creation. My artwork is the beauty, not only of the physical creation, but in the creation you can't see, in the, heaven, the, 
heavenly heavenlies, you know. Uh, I am doing my artwork, mm -hmm. and I am singing my song. Now, what that did for me was I, I suddenly made a connection. Oh, the music that I enjoy listening to or doing, the way that I made my personal ID, personhood, that makes me different from Aaron and different from Melissa, that makes me me, I'm actually part of this beautiful fabric, this quilt. I've got, I'm his artwork. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That means, oh, for me to actually be me, whatever me is. Not what others think, but who, it, who am I the, the way God designed me before I was even born, okay? Minus my skin and my talents and my this and my that, you know. What is it that I love to do? What is it that I don't like to do, okay? You don't <laughs> like to do dishes. I don't like to do dishes, okay? Uh, but I love to do dishes for other people. That's hmm. the strangest thing. I love to cook for other people. I love to be hospitable for other people. But for me, man, there's no thrill in any of these. <laughs> people think, oh, Chris, you, you go home and you just play lots of music and create melodies. <laughs> no, that bores me. But what I love to do is doing it for others. Well, do you see where I'm going with this thought? Is, is recognizing that in the uniqueness, we are God's artwork. We are God's song. We are God's complexity and beautiful design to the nth degree. And here I have a world that I live in that is actually always trying me, trying to get me to be, to identify myself politically, identify myself by gender mm -hmm. or by neutral gender, uh, redefine what my gender is. Um, you don't pray enough. Some denominations are totally into prayer. They arrange their worship service around prayer. Okay. Others are conversation. Others are very socially active and they condemn those that aren't. And, and you go, wow, there's the flesh nature. There's the human nature that comes in and divides. And I keep going back to this thought, I don't know if it was a theologian, that our unity is in our diversity. The problem is, is that we condemn people who are different mm -hmm. from us, you know. So, what do you think about all that? <laughs> yeah. What's your response to that? Well, I mean, you know, when you think of the biblical passage about Christ's body. You know, not everybody is That's right. an ear, not everyone's an eye. And so That's I hadn't even gone there yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean this this thought was so new, but you're exactly right. In Corinthians twelve. Yeah. And so that I mean, I think that plays into the individual members of a church, but then it's kind of interesting when you think about it in denominations, you know, because they're part of the kingdom of God. And and so I wouldn't say that the the denominations are an ideal way to express uh, the body of Christ is, is ideal for right. Christendom, right. but in a sense, it's kind of true. You know, one day, they're like families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whenever whenever they come together, even if it's in a very superficial way, you know, everyone you know, 
they get energy and yeah, yeah. but we don't want to do it full time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, I like you, but not. But all, all this to say, one day, you know, and one of your questions on there is what plagues are or what dif- is difficult for our generation, and I think yeah. it's all denominations. You know, okay. how do I pick a church? Um, I and now I get to pick a church. What? It's not just the one in the village that I go to. That was right. Um, but what what I was going to say is, one day I realized that God has been using. You know, if if I'm a Korean immigrant, I can now go to the Korean Presbyterian Church, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm welcomed. You know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. maybe I might not feel as welcomed. I'm not saying that's good. Um, in you know whatever other churches down the road, and so there are all these different facets. Um, and it would yes, I think it would be ideal if there's one you know, church, right? Right, right. But right. at the same time, we see what God is using. You know, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't even brought in the whole body of Christ diversity aspect. And it's not to say that the... In other words, the differences are celebrated. And I'm not talking about false teaching differences. Or or error, you know, false interpretation kinds of things. But on the nuances, we can agree to disagree and, and go, well, that's a different way to look at that scripture. Hmm. hadn't thought of that. It's not necessarily sinful or wrong, but the problem is is that certain teachers and denominations might aggressively call it wrong because they want you to ID with them. And that's that's when we get into cultic, not Coptic, cultic <laughs> kinds of, kinds of uh, uh, behaviors. So that is interesting. Yeah, one... You know, thinking about what plagued our generation, I was kind of, everything that came to mind, I was like, well, that's not new. That's not new. It's just a different iteration of it. And mm-hmm. the scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. Like, society, both, like, creation-wise and sin-wise, like, it's all been done before. In society, the pendulum has swung from conservative, not politically, but like extremely religiously conservative to extremely liberal. Mm-hmm. I mean, all throughout history, mm-hmm. we're not living anything new. Mm-hmm. But this sense of identity, this is something where I think, one, because of technology, we have the ability to see so many other people and types of people and very successful people from all over the world instantly and like we've grown up with seeing people who are our peers become so influential and millionaires you know seemingly overnight and they live across the world and mm-hmm. we're aware of all the ways that other people are usually successful and it it eats away at our own sense of self and esteem and then we start asking like well what am I contributing to the world and then I think there's a real openness about social justice issues and this sense of, you know, identity of, like, how do I fit into groups? Like, what group am I a part of now? Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, none of those are new. We've The picking of the church that works perfectly for you, right? <laughs> right, like, right. Because we've now examined ourselves so deeply that we know exactly what we need. Yeah. Yeah. And yet... Nothing seems to exist to actually match it. And so I think... You know, one of our episodes was on uh, ID, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, identifying ourselves. Who am I? I think I was the title. Um, 
but I, I opened the show with the idea of an onion. And yeah. I, this is not original with me, but you keep peeling the onion until you get to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? I really don't know yeah. after all that. You know? Yeah, and I think you brought up, I mean, I don't mean to batter this, but a good point that ultimately we, we cannot define ourselves independently, but yeah. through God, what he has made us That's and the direction others. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. church is like, like, that is how God intended it to happen, yes. right? Like, not that you have the church that is perfect for you and your exact personality that you know <laughs> down mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, the finest detail, but the church is where we are meant to come and serve others and, like, stop focusing on ourselves and focus first on our brothers in Christ and then on our community and the world and and on Christ himself. And it gives a sense of identity that I think... God created us to need, and mm-hmm. it does it in hopefully the best way possible this side of heaven, right, where there's honesty and accountability and forgiveness and grace, um, and then true community, you know, people who you can do life with and that you're not alone, and you know, when we moved here, we moved cross country to come here, and there was no question in our minds that we would have friends or community because we knew there'd be a, a church, whether it was the perfect church for us or not, like, mm-hmm. That wasn't the question. It was, and it's not a perfect church. Perfect because we're there, and it's God's yeah. church. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and He's made it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much comfort in that too. And so right. it makes me sad when I see our generation rejecting church or taking on this idea of individual spirituality that you can have these spiritual um, yeah. existence on your own because that's so lonely and isolating. And we know that's such a problem in our generation. Boy. Loneliness. And you, you guys are really tapping in to some powerful biblical themes here. The idea of community and the way God views the bride, his, you know, mm-hmm. the, the church, a wife, so to speak, and as children who are diverse in the ways that he has made them and, and diverse in how God wants them to produce uh, glory you know, for the kingdom, loving others. We all love others in different ways, you know, that, that kind of thing. I, I was thinking about, Melissa, when you were, you were talking about in your youth group, I wonder if, you know, the slide into darkness didn't have to do, because it seems like you mentioned something to this effect, that even though you were in a beautiful church, beautiful youth group, transparent, honest, accountable, you weren't sure if it was your faith or something to that effect. In other words, uh, this slide, it caught you off guard, but I wonder if it didn't have to do with identification. In other words, mm-hmm. who, your search for who am I in all of this? Mm-hmm. What does my faith look like? What do I look like to Christ? Not Usually we go, I look like to Christ, but we don't know that there's a filter that might be our church or it might be our job or it might be, you know, um, I've, I've had uh, discussions with pastors who were upset about certain things. And I said, you know, it sounds like uh, your significance with God is because of what you're doing here, mm. you know. And that didn't sit well with them. And when I said that, as a, as a young pastor, I realized many years later, 
I didn't even get what I was saying, okay? Because now I'm struggling with that, mm -hmm. finding what does it mean to be a child of God in all of these different veneers? And so while the world is searching for their personality through all these personality profiles, I think there are Christians, believers, who are also searching. They're using these tools, you know, mm -hmm. but like you said, Aaron, I'm not sure, and the caution is, is this tool actually going to help me with the Lord? Get me close? Who, who does God see me? Not who does my church see me? Who does God see me? And what what are God's expectations? I was just reading a, a dissertation by by some uh, theologian. He's since passed away, but but he was talking about his earnest struggle to find his own identification. We know what the church wants or the denomination wants, and oftentimes it get it clouds the issues of uh, how do I love my neighbor? And it seemed to me that he was connecting who he was by how he loved his neighbor. And I, I kind of had some dissonance with that, a little bit of disagreement. But I get it. I get the search. Is this search for significance by what we do or what we produce? And it can get uh, really confusing. And so we need to wrap this up. Um, we've got a few minutes left. What does this have to do with healing when life hurts? You guys can think about that because this is a time of reflection. I'm talking to our audience now. This is a time of reflection and contemplation. And, and uh, usually our, this show raises a lot of questions. We don't always answer the questions, but we think the answers are there and they are always in Christ. I think in the discussion I've had with Melissa and Aaron, I'm recognizing that this search for identification is a real deal. A, a search for who am I is a very important deal to healing. But we can, we can take lots of personality profiles and search for it. Or does the Bible actually give us help in this? Do you guys, can you guys think, based on our discussion here of where we've been on this, what, what might be some thoughts from God's word or even reading between the lines what God maybe intends for us as his children that would be a healthy way for us? Maybe what you would say to your generation what would be important ways for growth? In fact, I think that was one of my questions that I kind of pre-wrote here. Um, we talked, you know, you could talk about habits or disciplines that keep your relationship with God strong. But, and I love this last question. Maybe we should ask this and maybe ask it in this way. I want to know that God knows me. I want to... Feel God's presence, but I don't know that he knows me, and I don't feel his presence all the time. How would you respond? Well, you're in good company. Okay. Um, you are not the first Christian to feel that. 
Um, you can think of David in the Psalms. You can think of other Christians who have dealt with this kind of thing. Um, you know, Charles Spurgeon left an excellent example. And, I mean, the writings are out there. Oh, and and Christian, I mean, the, the emphasis on Christian counseling that we have today uh, shows mm. that this is not a unique experience to you. That's true. Um, and uh, I would say that the helpful thing is to, I have nothing new here, but just, to let God define you correctly in in His Word. Oh, what a great statement that is! Say that again. Let God define you correctly in His Word. And I was also going to say, and let others define you wrongly. You know, don't don't seek to to develop mm. something that whether it's through personality test or through your career or through whatever you're holding on to so tightly. I'm preaching to myself here. Um, don't let others define you incorrectly. And Basically, which means you can be under, misunderstood sometimes, like how Jesus was misunderstood or all the prophets were misunderstood. Um, and that kind of ties into being in a church and part of a church is those in the church and those outside the church may not fully understand you um, when you're associated with a certain church. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as not feeling uh, God's presence, that's hard. And is that a big issue for people that this feeling need to feel something in order to to be connected to God? Most definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a whole other show, I, I guess. <laughs> Probably <laughs> but, is, isn't it? Uh, I don't. I don't want to take up no. all your time, but we have some time. We okay. have some time. <laughs> um, yeah, and I I can think of one of the most encouraging things to me recently was learning that. My work, I felt so dissatisfied with my work, being so exhausted, not really getting the chance to connect with people and, and just feeling like it was useless. But somebody told me that God finds it useless even though you don't feel that way. I mean, find, find it useful, sorry. It, it glorifies him even though you don't feel it. That was helpful. And so the same is true, you know, he, his presence is there even when you don't feel it. And it takes, it, I mean, that's a, that's a tender issue. I think it takes, you know, a lot of time spent in, in God's word and in prayer and, and in the in the church and also I'm losing my train of thought. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> that that's what wives are for, to rest for, right? And, um, <laughs> and maybe even counseling, you know, let others speak to you and just I am a proponent of counseling Having gone through my wilderness and many, many hours of counseling, I highly recommend it because, you know, if you can find a good Christian uh, counselor, they are they're experts, a lot of them. They've spent all their focus on human relation problems and things, more so than pastors or farmers or <laughs> truck drivers, all those kinds of things. So I highly recommend that. Keep yeah, going. we've had we've gone to counseling as well, mm -hmm. and we cannot mm -hmm. say enough how helpful it is, specifically Christian counseling, mm -hmm. to marry those uh, those kind of two complex topics of faith and personality and relationships that sometimes you don't yourself know how to bring together. But counselors are excellent. At that, right. So. Right. Right. Yeah, highly recommend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did I interrupt you, or are you you good? No, I'm just, I'll just 
<laughs> okay, Melissa, what are your thoughts? If someone said that to me, that they don't feel like they feel God, and they don't know what that means. Or if God knows them. Or if God, yeah, if God knows them. I think there are two things I'd want to ask, and the first is usually, it's a little bit of a more direct or harder question, but like, what does your spiritual life look like right now? Because I think we can fall into bad habits or out of good habits that slowly, slowly allow our base sin nature to creep back in and start to put doubt into our minds of who God is, who we are in His mind, in His sight, um, what the purpose of church is, what our purpose here on earth is, because we're not keeping the truth, the scripture, uh, in front of us, at the forefront of our lives. We're not engaging in Christian community. That's usually one of the biggest ones that people are, can often not be going to church or not be going to church with the intent of actually being a part of the community, and they're not praying. Um, and those things do not guarantee that you're going to have some kind of feeling, whether it's emotional or physical. That can absolutely happen. The Lord grants those things at times, but it is not guaranteed, and it is not a the barometer of whether you are a Christian or not, of how you are feeling. Scripture makes it clear what salvation looks like. It is faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God that he died for your sins and that he is the way to the Father. That's it. And if you believe that, that's all it takes. And you can rest in the knowledge mm. that your name is in the book of life, that the Lord knows and cares for you, and that the Holy Spirit is in you as the seal, the promise of that and that he helps you here on earth until heaven. I grew up expecting that feeling to be kind of constant as my marker of how I was doing in my faith. And it took a few difficult circumstances in my life for the Lord to teach me that that was a false way of wanting relationship with him. And that however I am feeling is not reflective of how he feels about me. And always, he always, always, you pray and ask for the things that you want. And hmm. scripture makes it so clear that when we pray to the Lord and draw near to him, our desires become his desires, and he answers those desires. And it becomes this beautiful circle of, you know, when scripture says, he will give us the desires of our hearts, not our sinful heart, but it is a heart that has been transformed to desire what he wants. And we should pray for the things that we don't even want yet. So, like, for me, that often comes with forgiveness or a spiritual kind of desert or valley of saying something as simple as, I don't, Lord, I don't want to forgive this person. Can you give me that desire? And in the meantime, help me to forgive them every time that, I feel offended by them, or whatever it is. You know, you pray right. for this. Right. You don't wait to pray until you have the desire for whatever you're praying. You can ask the Lord yes. to give you that to give you the desires of His heart, which is what Scripture is talking about. And so, if you're not feeling the Lord's presence, have you prayed? Have you asked, Lord, please comfort me with Your presence? 
Have you yeah. opened your scripture and, and prayed, Lord, please comfort me with your words? Have you asked him to comfort you in Christian community? And he often grants that. He may not in a very tangible way do it, but that is not, it's not your fault. It's not his fault. It is just not a guarantee of the spiritual life, but he has put into place the entire yes. framework of church, yes. of scripture, and of prayer to be that comfort to you. And I have, in talking to people in my own life, I've never come across someone who has felt distant from the Lord their entire lives. And we see that through the Psalms, too, and through yes. Scripture, where uh-huh. the Lord can withdraw the feeling of His presence, usually to cause us to rely on Him truly, yes. instead of falsely. To see what's in the heart. Right. Even, you know. But then yeah. He almost always you know, gives it back again, because it delights Him that we want that, and that He can give that. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... What are your habits, and what are you? Have you really trusted and asked the Lord for those things yet, or are you letting yourself kind of sit there and feel sorry for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking to myself. Mm-hmm. I've let myself sit there and feel sorry for myself, and been like, Lord, where are you? And oh, I've talking for a while, but there's one more story that, or yeah. one more example that has always when I've thought of it ever since I heard it. That if you're in a crowded room at a party. If you've ever been to a wedding with loud music, whatever, you're sitting next to someone and you're trying to converse with them and you can't hear them quite properly. What do you do physically? You lean in, usually turn your ear to them, or you watch their mouth with your eyes mm. because you are trying to understand them over the noise around you. Mm. And so what do we do when we feel like we can't hear the Lord? Are we leaning in? Are we trying to watch his mouth, which is scripture? Are we trying to hear him? Are we trying to move to a quieter place? And that kind of imagery of wow, that's beautiful. Wow. I do do that in human relationship. Why am I not doing that with the Lord, right? Because right. like, wow. I don't. So if that's an encouragement, I have. So that's much. an encouragement to me. I've never heard of that. Me that either, is yeah. awesome. Isn't it? It's wow. So, it's so helpful. <laughs> that is so so cool. You guys are fun. You're fun. <laughs> <laughs> I am so blessed to have. Uh, you with us and sharing your life. I feel like I'm in the presence of potentially very gifted teachers. So That's all Aaron. <laughs> I don't know. I was listening to Melissa and going, Melissa, I'm wondering if you're not a pastor as well. <laughs> anyway, God has blessed you guys. And uh, thank you for sharing your life. These This is all your life in an hour and 15 minutes. No, (laughs) not even, not even. But anyway, folks, it's time for us to sign off. We're just uh, trusting God through life, aren't we? Because life does hurt and there will be hurts coming along the way. But we know, we know we've seen God's faithfulness in healing and he will continue to bring healing. And so thank you for tuning in this afternoon. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Now we won't see you. We'll hear maybe from you. Uh, Please do write us if you would like to chat. Uh, We encourage that. So God bless you, each and every one of you, in Jesus' name.